Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Bench Units podcast. Uh, I, James McSorley, am back here as always with Mark Schofield to talk about the games of the weekend, most of which we have watched some of, some of which <laughs> we have watched all of, some of which we played in, and we some have. of which we haven't watched. Let's see if you can figure out which is which. <laughs> I even tell you. How's it going, Mark? Yeah, it's good, man. We, um, we should disclaim right off the bat that I think Munsterland and Trier is going on literally right now as we're recording. So we are not attempting to cover that game. We might, as we like, jump around between live stats, be like, and the score is currently this. But I don't fancy our chances for podcasting with like a game going on in a separate quadrant of the screen. Because no. we struggle to stay on track as it is. Never mind if we're like, hey, this guy's terrible at free throws currently. Also, us providing a very specific sur- uh, service of like not live updates. Like anyone who would listen to this being like, I wonder what the score is currently <laughs> two days ago. <laughs> very strange. Real time listening two days late. That'd be a weird concept. We should. I wonder if there is a market for uh, bench units in-game commentary, like if we were to Twitch stream games and commentate or something. I think we'd be horrendous at it because we ramble so much and get off topic. Yeah. Well, no, like companion podcasts are a thing where people yeah. like watch something live, upload it later, and then they go, okay, we are starting it now, so hit start. And then you can kind of sync up. Like I've seen people do that with like fights and sports yeah. events and stuff. So like it's... It's something I would enjoy doing, but yeah. I, I, I have also comment, commented on games and been bad at it because <laughs> I, 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 yeah, like I did the the Euros in 2019. I did the semifinal and the final because I was just there anyway. And Joe Vesswick was like, hey, do you want to come do this? They'll pay you. And I was like, yes, of course. But yeah, sure. no worries. Let, let me leave life. my wife in a crowd of semi-strangers in Poland and come and earn 25 euros a time. <laughs> We'd be like, I've had two beers already. Let's do it. Why not? <laughs> no. Um, I think there was a weird thing of like, me and Joe were both very much like the people who had played who were like, second commentator a lot of the time so you yeah. get the guy who's really good at presenting and that's not me being disparaging towards Joe Bestwick or or myself probably myself but I'm very much the guy that's like here's my opinion on this little thing that I'll chip in and then I dip back out whereas we didn't have like a, a super charismatic Dylan Cummings to like lead us yeah. so maybe that's the dream team maybe sure. we get Dylan in for that for for um anybody who's interested go and find the 2019 Europeans final and clock the two times that James says the word bench units in the flow of conversation. Yes. Uh, uh, yeah, bench units bingo. Um, <laughs> also, that was like Terry Bywater possibly having one of the most impressive offensive performances in a big game in wheelchair basketball history. And both me and Joe just being like, yeah, he's quite good. Yeah. <laughs> which is which is grim because even if we had gone any sort of way to put out that we'd seen him do this lots of times because he's that amazing that might have made it special but we were just like terry with another three would yeah. you look at that when he was just going like historically nuts yeah in a big game but anyway yeah let's get to it should we open with the big one because i think there was one game that stood out above the rest this weekend and we've already wrote people in for a, at least a minute or so at this point so if anyone is hanging around just for the first game we've got our listen clocked Yes, there you go. If anyone's managed to put up with that to count towards a listen for our stats, thank you very much. 
Thanks. Yes. So the way that we have the games laid out, the first game on the list is Bilbao 74 and the Alba City 72. So I messaged you about this game. I, 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 I obviously was there. I messaged you about this game and I was like, you're going to have to do most of the talking about it because I spent at least 15 of the last 20 minutes being like, I don't know what's going on. <laughs> yeah. Um, this was a mad one, man. So first up, Bilbao 74, Albacete 72, as you said. Um, our guy, Chem Avendano, with the winner with a few seconds left. Um, yeah, man. Big, big play. Ball dropped with 1.3 to go. Yeah. Shout out to Tom O'Neill, who coined him the world MVP when he was on a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> Chema must have heard that and been like, ah, yes, I remember. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this was... Obviously, you guys were still down Asia Garcia, which makes this even more impressive. Um, I think there was a real Ewing theory kind of feel to this game. You had seven <laughs> guys travel and you played five guys 40 minutes each. And David Maurice and Chema are kind of continuing their tour of, hey, we don't just play off Asia, you know? Uh, yeah, David Maurice came you said, out. He said, we brought, we played five guys, and I took all of my all of my willpower to not be like, five guys sponsor the pod. But <laughs> sorry. Oh, yes. uh, yeah, David in the last couple of weeks has been very much like, all right, somebody's going to have to step up. Like, there was a world in which everyone kind of divided what Asier did between us. And there was a world in which David was like, no, I'm the captain now. Um, which was like, it's, it's been what we've needed, I think, because when you spend either months or years playing off a very dominant ball handler, there might be an adjustment period and we don't really have time to figure that out mid-season. And David's really, really taken a lot of the playmaking and scoring load on his shoulders. And it's been super impressive what he's done. Like he's had a couple of like high scoring, but super high volume games over the last couple of weeks, but like 11 from 22, six from 11 and five from 11 on twos and threes respectively. Like, you know, 10 assists as well, which is hell of a game, man. And he came out, I messaged you about this after the game, but, the first like three minutes of the game was I think David eight and Haluski not Haluski Filipski seven. We were talking about Haluski just before we hit record, so I yeah. bungled that. Um Filipski seven. And I was like, this is gonna be two minutes in, this roughly extrapolates out to like 40 to 35 a quarter, and then 160 to 150. 40 for the game I think if that's just these two guys going back and forth the entire time I hope my, I hope I got my maths right there you did I just love I always do that if someone has like eight points in two minutes and I'm on the bench I'm always like hey if you keep this up you're gonna end up with x amount of 100 points per yeah. game <laughs> it's so stupid because obviously that's not how it works but um it makes me laugh but yeah, this was, I mean, there was crazy stats all over from your guys. Uh, Hasso with 14 points and 23 rebounds. Yeah. Um, I think this might be probably the best joint effort I've seen in terms of guys defending Lee Manning this year. Lee was five from eight uh, from the floor. He had 15 rebounds as well. There's a huge number of rebounds to be had in this game, apparently, which is 
weird because it felt like we shot 50 percent. yeah both teams seem to shot pretty well uh but i think you guys they got a lot of they got a a, i think it felt like they got a lot of offensive boards look they shot 73 to our 64 yeah sure they had 14 offensive rebounds the team lee had six of them um it's a credit to lee that like teams focus in on him so much that he only gets eight shots up and like a lot like some of them are probably putbacks from like he had a couple of like absolutely back-breaking offensive rebounds for us down the stretch that I was like, oh man, the sort of thing that you could look back if you lose this game by two and be like, yeah, that was the one that really yeah. hurt us. But yeah, it's a credit to Lee that teams are just like, no, this guy gets absolutely nothing if we can help it. And he still sure. ends up obviously. Yeah, I think figures. I think probably the biggest indicator in his relatively low number of shots is I think Hasso and Manu did a pretty good job of collapsing on him. And there was, it only lists Albacete's kind of team turnovers, but I'd be interested if we could break the stats down further into what the pass, what the turnovers were that were attempted pass inside to Lee, because it felt like there was a ton of them. And there was even a couple of Lee's made shots came late in the game where he decided he wasn't going to go all the way inside anymore. And he hit a couple of kind of pull-ups from a chair length or so outside the key, which you almost never see because he never has anyone to worry about to that extent. Outside the key. And he had Kyle right beside him who was like, I I think it was like, hey, hand me the ball, we'll run a two-man game. And he was like, no, I'm taking this. And he knocked it down and I was talking to our guys and there are certain plays that you're like, oh man, maybe we're just not going to pull this one. You don't let yourself think that in the game, but it's like, as I say, if you lose a game like that, you come away from it thinking, oh no, like that, like that sort of stuff didn't go our way. But man, we got, yeah, we we had plenty of stuff that went our way, to be fair. I don't want to say that. Like we had a load of calls and there was a, technical down the uh, technical down the stretch but that's kind of what Bilbao do don't they don't we like I think we were talking about it and there's a thing of like there's a little bit of coming out and being like hey are you going to call 150 files today or are we going to set the bar at a certain spot like with physicality but yeah definitely that was always going to be our sort of path to victory like although 74 72 doesn't imply scrappiness necessarily like there was enough scoring from david and everyone else chipping in but yeah like keeping it scrappy keeping the sort of like we have 40 points in the paint compared to their 18 um which is obviously massive if you're playing against a guy like lee um but yeah, man, we, yeah. We, we 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 had a plan, and I was like, yeah, it might work because when you're playing against that level of a team, there's no hey, this is the clear path to victory. It's like, hey, this is gonna give us a chance to get it done, and it did, yeah. which was cool. I was talking to you as well. Like, I had several points in the game that Oscar and Rubia hit shots that I was like, hey, we're just like, he he he's gonna hit these, and he's just gonna keep hitting these. And it's gonna kill us, but now managed to get it done. He, he hit a few, and I, I find myself he hit one, caught it on the baseline off a skip, and had Hasso on his way out. And he he has a weirdly quick release for somebody with the obvious hand defects that he has, which I guess is most people worry about, like catching the ball and getting their 
fingers lined up on the seams and whatever, which he obviously doesn't have that problem. But I, if you watch like a grainy enough version of the video, you probably wouldn't know from like how his body language and how prepared he is to catch and shoot that he has any hand impediment whatsoever. He's just like the most confident in letting it fly of any any body like that I've ever seen. Yeah, like he's had several games this this year that he's just had like 10 to 12 attempts from 15 feet because teams are super happy to give it to him, which is like something we spoke about. Like people don't change their concept of who is or isn't someone worth defending quickly. And maybe you shouldn't because like if someone has three good games in a row, maybe they sort of revert to the mean and have a bad one when you're playing against them. But it's just when does someone making shots change how you defend them over a three or four game stretch or over like, I always wonder if someone who isn't a shooter hits three in the fourth quarter, are you going to be able to live with like, Hey man, yeah, this guy's just going to fall off. And then if he doesn't, because he's hot for a period, like, can you, can you live with that? But yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, we also were absolutely walking the tightrope. We had out of our five starters, we had, I was on three, Manu was on three, Hasso was on three, Chema was on four. I actually also tried to commit a, a further foul at one point to stop a four on two fast break and didn't get a call <laughs> away with one. Um, Hasso ended up taking that foul for me because I tried to, like Kyle had the ball on the left baseline, I tried to bump him and it was just one of those where it was like, I should have made more contact to get a whistle, but like a referee's two hands go above their head with two minutes to go and the game gets ruined. So I was like, I've seen this before. I don't want that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, man, there is, yeah, that's just you know, Bilbao having players on four files is, is, is not new, but <laughs> it was hell of a game. Big win for our guys. Uh, Albacete are still going to win the league probably. So most most likely, but I thought this is it up. It'll be interesting. Like we, we've done Grand Canaria a favor this week until we hopefully beat them next week, and then <laughs> like then Medina will be like, "Cheers, lads!" So we play everyone else in a row. So it's like, whose days are we going to make better or worse over the next month? Well, it's all in your guys' hands. Um, Not to win it, just to like muck it up for everyone. I'd love if we were just like agents of chaos that just made the league more interesting, even though we might not be able to get there. But yeah, yeah it's, it's something to aim towards. Um, yeah. I Gaz think had a good game is like I'm trying to think stuff on the other end. Gaz had a good game. Um, yeah. Gaz and Harry, oh, and Oscar as well. That unit is the um, in the plus minus column. That's the unit that was a plus rating. Everybody starters wise was a minus. Um, and Gaz having 22 in a game where. Lee, Kyle, and Filipski combined for 31 between them is yeah. kind of, you know, they Albacete would have been a long way off if Gaz hadn't come in as kind of the the source of the offense. Um, yeah, well, you could probably say that, like, if he, like, if he wasn't on the floor, like, Fifi was, and Fifi could also get going, but Gaz was very good at, like, steadying the ship for them and being like, all right, this is what we're getting into, like, ball goes here, this will generate offense, we'll be fine. And at one point they were getting into like, they had that run that kind of brought it back to tie game or up or down two, where it was like, I committed a really stupid foul on Gaz hitting a 
shot where I just like went to like contest the shot, tried to stop, missed my wheel and just bumped <laughs> him after he'd already released it. And I was like, well, that's like, yeah. it's an and one. And I didn't make the shot any harder. Like the ball was <laughs> out of his hands. And then I bumped his chair. I was like, that's the stupidest thing in the world. But it was just like probably mental and physical fatigue where I went to put my hands down to slam the brakes on going towards him and just missed like, yeah. But we had a couple of ones like that and they were really getting going and making shots and making shots, but also like running very sort of well set out, well thought out offenses. And I was like, ah, man, they're getting, they're just going to get good looks all the time for the next 15 minutes and we might be in trouble. Yeah. I I think having spoken to both you and Ben, obviously being on different sides of the game, I think there's been some questions about the calls that came and went in the game, but oh, for sure, like we absolutely got away with some stuff. <laughs> like uh, you guys, yeah, they might have got away with some stuff. They got away with some stuff. There was a couple of fouls on Lee, for example, where you mentioned a couple of the and ones that he got, but there was a few of those that were like fouls before on his like first attempt, which would have been a foul on a miss had they called it, and because they didn't call it, he then gets a put back and a foul on a made basket, and it's. But that's 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 an eternal thing. Like you could, yeah. someone can have like five pump fakes or five putbacks, and you file the first one, and they they call the one that like yeah. goes in. That's like that happens with everyone all the time. <laughs> they don't care about that a whole lot. I think um, Albacete more than you guys. I, if they wanted to argue, they got the worst of it. I don't know how much I would dispute that, but I think you kind of saw it in how the game went in terms of runs. They argued with the refs a lot throughout the game and the point at which they pulled it back was when they just got their heads down and played and then when momentum got away from them again was kind of when the chippiness and the arguing with the refs started again so yeah I think yeah maybe they did not get the rub of the green but also they didn't when they were playing better basketball than us and not letting us muck it up they were beating us so it's like okay (laughs) just do that but obviously it's tough man like I don't know like there were a couple of weird ones like going back and forward where it was like, well, yes, like we beat the life out of people. That's what we do here. Um, I still don't, but um, yeah. yeah no. Gaz would disagree after that bump you gave him. And that bump. Are you sorry? Gaz would disagree after that bump you gave him and you just admitted to a no-call bump on Kyle. So maybe you do rough people. Yeah. No, but that was me. Like I went over to him and I was like, hey, sorry, I was trying to get the whistle. And he was like, I know, it's okay. Like It's funny. Like, I love playing against like GB teammates or just people that I know and speak to in English. Cause it's just like everyone who doesn't know, like Bill Bow's whole thing is just like, they're, they're all like hard headed and go like they're going to war every time they play a basketball game. And I'm just like, eh, I'm having a nice time I'm trying to win <laughs> basketball games, but I'm also enjoying it. So it's just like, yeah, it's, it's a, it's, it was a weird experience, but not very, very fun game. Very sure. Very good game to pull out. I think we've given a lot of time to this. And yeah. I also don't think I've given any massive insight. Chema is the man. David Maurice is absolutely flying at the minute. Front runner for the belt this week. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, belt until proven otherwise. Yeah, fair I point. Think. Right, should we shift on? Uh, yeah, there's probably going to be someone who's going to listen to this and be like, hey, you missed this. I, I was just running around like a headless chicken from like mid-third quarter to like a minute to go. So... <laughs> whatever uh yes let's move on let's do it okay we can probably rattle through this one fairly quickly um 
So Mediva Extremadura at 67. Uh, Fundacion Vitales was in at 34. This one was about as according to the script as you might expect. Well, Phil didn't start and only played 17 minutes. So I guess yeah, that was the only thing. And it still went about. <laughs> yeah, like it doesn't matter because yeah. Zuzanak are not good and haven't been all year on Madiba are very good even without Phil. But like, I just watched that one. Anytime someone who should play isn't playing, I'm like, I hope they're all right. Uh, <laughs> me, an empath. But then he ended up like, I, I always like, oh yeah, he's on the bench. He's fine. Like, um, but yeah. I wonder if that was just like a, hey, these guys are bad. Let's see if we can run without this guy. Yeah. I mean, this isn't the first Madiba game. I think Phil missed a game a few weeks back when he flew home for a a family, was it a wedding or something? I think it was, but that was like missing a game for a thing. This was like starting when he was there. But I I think this was... That game was probably proof that, hey, if we roll out against a weaker team, we can probably afford to, you know, step everybody's rolls up a little yeah, bit. Sure. Um, and this might be one of the last chances in the season they get to do that because Medivh have had a run of relatively weak opposition the last few weeks, which would say they've got a run of stronger opposition coming up. Yeah. So this was just to rattle through these real quick. Um, Salvador Sandoval with 22, Lewis Edwards with 17, John Hernandez with 14, uh, Charlie Moore with six. Where to go, huh? Yep. And um, I don't remember the other guy's name. He's on Moises Betancourt Alvarez. That's the one. The the, the big lad. Um, the he's big a young. Um, yeah, he had six as well on yep. the other side of the ball. Jose Leap, five from 20. That's tough. Um, yeah, man, not a whole lot going on. Uh, Zuzanak are probably in a bit of trouble in terms of staying in the league. Um, yeah. and I think without meaning any disrespect, probably rightfully so because they are the worst team in the Spanish league this year. Yeah, I think so. It's like they were there, thereabouts, and then. Mercia signed a couple of guys and yeah, yeah Lazarus has also signed a couple of guys and are in theory like well coached because they're the Spanish national team coach and stuff so yeah. I don't know I don't know if they're actually well coached but they have enough to stick around well speaking speaking of Mercia sticking around let's <laughs> shift on to the next game because our Vigo theory that all it takes is 20-ish shots for Alejos and Fabian Romo and 20 plus points as a result was proved correct on this one. Um, this was Ibercon San Vigo 73, Ucan Mercia 44. So admittedly only watched a chunk of this one because I think they the tone was set from pretty early doors. Um, it was, I think the first quarter ended 14-10 for Amviv, but it was a very... Mercia had made like two baskets from heaves on the shot clock, which would have it would have been like 14 6 had it not been for them. And it was like, hey, this one, if it doesn't get away in the second quarter, it certainly is going to get away in the second half. And that's exactly what it did. Yeah, 22 6 third quarter. That'll do it. Yeah. Um, so Mercia to me looks like I think they got the initial bump from Philip Halfley joining. Um, and I think it's a little bit of what tends to happen in the NBA regular season when like a rookie 
player gets their first real run of minutes and the teams they play against in their first handful of games haven't watched them or scouted them a whole lot. And then after the first kind of initial explosion, teams have enough footage to be like, hey, we'll just watch this guy and stop him doing what he wants to do. And I think that's kind of happened with the Philip Halfley arrival. He was pretty effective in his first two or three games and made Mercia look semi-competitive. And I think the jury's now out that you can basically just defend him and Lalo and uh, Joaquin Robles and let the rest of the team try and do their thing. And this was basically a three-man versus, you know, this would have been the perfect, um, what is it, Commonwealth Games three-on-three. But might have been over points because I think you have to play the eight and a half there. I say, I say, you think I, I know you do because okay. I'm I'm going to try. But um, uh, yeah, it's are our three good guys better than your three good guys sometimes? And the answer is yes, maybe a little bit less than it should be for for Vigo, but yeah, uh, they got good Romo and good Alejos games and. Julio Vilas chipped in with seven from 11 for 15 points, which is very efficient. Yeah. But yeah. No, Mercia, it was funny before we played Mercia, I was talking to someone and I was like, I don't know, Mercia might be able to give us problems. And then as soon as I was playing, I was like, no, no, maybe I've watched them play bad teams, um, which I have because we watch a lot of games for this, but they are, nah, they're a bit thin on the ground, aren't they? Yeah, they're, and, I would have thought Lalo could have had some joy against Vigo because Vigo's bigs are primarily, especially offensively, kind of like finesse guys and don't strike me as two guys who want to D up on somebody like Lalo for 40 solid minutes. But He's so strong, man. I don't think I mentioned this when we were playing them last week, but like, He's so good at using how strong he is. Like I'd like go and pick him back and he would just nudge me out of the way with the front of his chair, which I'm like, how does that like you're not you shouldn't be able to like push to the side with that? The <laughs> like physics shouldn't work like that. He's so good at throwing his weight around. It's so impressive. Um obviously not quite enough in this one, but yeah, Mercia just look like they kind of got their adrenaline shot when Halfley arrived and aren't going to be able to ride that much further than they have done already. Now, by all accounts, I think they're like a well-supported, well-set-up team yeah. and should, like, if they stick around, have, get a few, like, a, a few more players in, they might be able to move up a little bit. But I don't know, when you're playing sort of lower mid-table against lower mid-table and one team has the two best, probably three best players on the floor in yeah. a game... It's game over, like, isn't it? Sure. I um I do think uh Joaquin Robles is a good good player, but he's I think he's still a pretty young dude, if I'm not mistaken. This will be I have no idea. This'll be something that Mendel corrects me for in the Oh, thing. remember you mentioned him and you called him a double amputee, and I was like, I have no idea how many legs he has, yeah. <laughs> he has one. Okay. He uh I think he has possibly the Justin Everson thing where one leg looks like tucked behind him enough that it just it is. He has the like, like the knee sitting type, like yeah. one leg like behind the the bar in your chair. Like sure. Um yeah, I think he's he's a good prospect, but I think he especially when Lalo and Philip Halfley are struggling to get inside. He looked a little bit over-tasked in trying to run the offense when the guys running the offense on the other side are 
considerably more experienced than he is. Yeah. And when I say they have the they have the three best players, I don't mean in general. I just mean in this game, Romo, Alejos, and Vilas were all better than anyone who played for Mercia. Yeah. Fair like, play. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Should we shift on? Uh, Romo with 24, 14, oh, yeah. 6, which is cool. Um, Alejos, 20, 12, 11. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Yeah. So, yeah, right. Let's shift on. Elunion, 84. Uh, Malaga, Amibel Reyes Gutierrez, 72. Yeah. So, this a rematch, one... a rematch of the first big surprise of the season, probably. Yeah. It... Well, you, you were surprised when Mediva beat Burgos the first time around, but <laughs> sorry. Um, I'm never. How long is it going to be till I live that down? Do I get like a clean slate next year? Um, yeah, like I think it's until I start making fun of you for it. Um, yeah, every so often it sounds like I'm. Every so often I feel like it sounds like I'm having a go at uh, at Madiba rather than you or Burgos rather than you. And it's absolutely not what's happening. I'm making fun of you, but uh, yeah, I think I will try and draw a line under that now again. But it's yeah. cool. I think I think it's only fair if I get the heat until the end of the season. Sure. All right. That, I, I would like the chance to cling on to the fact that Burgos might be good in case it gets to like the end of the season and one team just rolls their reserves out and Burgos beat them and I can be like, I told you. So yeah. I can't really do that if you stop um, taking the mick at this point. Sure. All right. So what did you see from this game? Um, this looked like it was going to be. I think after the first quarter, it was Illunion 20, Amavel 12, and it looked like Illunion were just going to grind them down slowly. Uh, mm-hmm. Biddle got inside a ton and finished off. And yeah, I thought this one was just going to chalk up to a fairly comfortable Illunion win, which ended up being 12 points, but I think Malaga were good enough for the last three quarters that had they not dug themselves an eight-point hole doesn't sound massive, but had they had a stronger start to the game or typical underdog stuff, if they'd have been able to steal the first quarter and have a three-point lead, for example, I think this one potentially could have looked a lot closer than it ended up looking. Yeah, I guess if you're a union in this game and you've been caught by them before, there's a little bit of like, all right, let's not let them get ahead of themselves again, because I think... Alunia have had a couple of games in the last couple of years where they've lost where they shouldn't have, where it's kind of felt like they go down in the first quarter and it's like, oh no, yeah. it's just <laughs> happening again. So like fair play to them for not letting that happen. Yeah. Oh, but it was like, it was six with about five and a half minutes to go as yeah. well. Like they could have made a push, but um, uh, it was about then that Alunian put their starters back in. They went with Bill Latham, Amadou Diallo, uh, Pablo Lavandera, Terry Bywater, Greg Warburton. Um, I just decided to go all full names there because every so often I go full names and then I'm like, I had Greg and Terry. Yeah. So I don't know who they are, but also like when they're people I know personally, I'm just like first names only. I was hoping you'd, um, after reading Amadou and Pablo's names off, I was hoping you'd keep your Spanish accent for reading Terry and Greg. Terry <laughs> uh, Or they do that, the commentators thing where they kind of mix their names where they'll every so often go Warwater yeah. or Warburton or <laughs> just like, hey man, Learn people's names, do your job. Most professional league in the world, except the people who talk about the games. <laughs> um, Does that mean us. Shout out live, Vuvuzela. Yeah. 
Um, they're like, hey, can we have the exclusive rights to broadcast the entire league? But no, we're not going to learn about the game. Some of the commentators <laughs> are good. Some of them can't add up to 14 and a half or learn people's names. Yeah. Um, um, I think I think it's been a cut one thing from the Vidalid and Burgos game, which was played today, which we'll get on to in a second here, but they whoever was commentating that game like obviously only thought each team had one guy of one size because they were like uh this guy's sat max height and therefore he is this person and not his teammate who's also sat max height and they did that for both teams in like getting the 4.5s and the ones mixed up on like yeah i was gonna say like you can't mix up a korean guy and a senegalese guy (laughs) come on man um um so yeah, man. Um, Elunion did the thing for a little bit as well, where they were like, do we take, do, do we go uh, Bill, Greg, three mids um, and press for a little bit, uh, which is once again, an interesting development. Yeah. Um, they've been working, man. It's been like, not digging them out of holes because they were never really in a hole in this game, but it's been like a little jolt of energy. Yeah, it's a rhythm breaker. If the if the other team gets hot or starts figuring the defense out, it's a different look that buys them enough time to kind of muck things up a little bit. But I was, um, I think one interesting thing from this game is that although Illunion were led by their typical guys, as you mentioned, Malaga actually had the two top scorers in the game in Jaime Espasa with 24 and our guy Cosarino with 27 on 13 of 16 shooting, we should probably point out. <laughs> what a man. It, it's getting to the point where I legitimately think he's not going to be at Malaga next year because somebody's going to just swoop in and take him. Like He's had enough good games now where I feel like a bigger club is on the way in for him. I don't know who. But unless he's unless he's like having a nice enough time there that he's like, nah, I'm yeah. standing here. These guys are the best. Unless he's got the um the thing when Dominic Muslim moved to Porto Torres and Rolt did that interview with him and asked him what he missed and he was like, I really like these countries I've lived in, but boy, do I miss having a harsh winter. <laughs> so I just imagine imagine the Polish guy in Malaga is like spending whatever wintry months he would normally be in the snow like scared to go outside um i think he'll stick around i don't know obviously but like they're they seem to be building something with like young talent yeah they also have a lot of players (laughs) they do um i i don't know one of the things that i took away from this game is like they beat Illunion the first half of the season because it was 68 66 like if you're malaga and this game goes to 80 you're not gonna get it done yeah, sure. I think when the when it comes down to like scoring being needed, they've only really got Espasa and Cosarinha consistently making outside shots, and Espasa is not that consistent. He's like a streaky guy, I guess. Um, and the rest of the guys kind of play off of them. Like obviously, Abdi can make shots, but needs to be set up. And this was Abdi got blocked a couple of times in this game from trying to you know, work his way off picks and whatever, and Illunion just being gigantic. That's the thing with being a one, like you can, like the scoring that you have can be taken from you. Whereas like, there's a certain amount of like, Christoph Cazarina is going to get this shot off. Like the giant and a four, five. Um, (laughs) Sorry, Mendel. (laughs) (laughs) um, Yeah, it just wasn't enough when, when, 
Bill, Terry and Greg are all putting numbers up 22, 23, 18. Like if you're this this is my other question. If you're Malaga, they've kind of they go with their mids lineup a lot. So they start Esparza, Abdi, uh Tyler Baines, Pete Cusack, and Patrick DeBoer. And they bring Cosarino off the bench, but they play him and Esparza together quite a lot as their kind of shooting threats. Do you there are the four that they play in that unit is Rodrigo Perez, who is an all right reserve player, but isn't moving the needle for you a whole lot. Do you think there's a Malaga off-season signing of an inside big to try and play with those guys? Because if they can keep Abdi, play those three bigs and have another one who's serviceable, that's a change of pace that might come in handy for them. Yeah, I mean, for sure, like Rodrigo Perez is all right, but he is kind of, he's another perimeter four, yeah. really. Like if they could get someone to go inside. Um Maybe Mosler's had like, enough harsh winters in um, Vetslar and he's ready for some sun again. Oh, that would be fun. Um, that, that would actually that'd be cool to see. But I don't know, man. They do have a little bit of a thing, and it was less of an issue in this game, but they have enough players that are pretty good that, like against us, it was weird because it was like, oh, this lineup is one that's going to give us trouble, but it's okay because everyone's going to play 18 minutes. Like, you know, there's a little bit of a thing and it works sometimes, like having a lot of pretty good players sometimes gets it done, but I don't know. There's a little bit of, there's a lot of guys that are going to play 13, 14 minutes that maybe shouldn't. Yeah, I think that... Everyone in and out, but I don't know. I think that can kind of throw you off a little bit. Yeah, the the depth thing is interesting because to me, the point of having depth is that you always cycle units until you find the one that works best or you alternate the two that work best against their different lineups. But I think Malaga particularly have kind of enough even spread of talent that they just kind of cycle units to cycle units rather than like finding and locating the best one for a matchup, which... Like you say, it can work if you keep changing the looks up enough. Yeah, to- like if it's going to throw someone off. But like I just, when we played them, there was like a certain lineup that I don't remember which it was, but it was giving us a little bit of trouble. And it was like, ah, the storm has passed. They've rotated yeah. the guys out again. But as I said, I don't think that's what happened here. But I think Illunion just are playing well and are good and have plenty of scoring. Sure. <laughs> Maybe but it's yeah. just All right, we- that. Maybe shall we shift on? I think it is as simple as that in terms of like you need something special to overcome having a lot of talent. Like, yeah, fair enough. Cool. Next game, uh, Gran Canaria 77, Las Rosas 41. So, this Gran Canaria pressed at the start of the game, which is like it works, but (laughs) I was like, ah, you probably could have got away with not bothering, but I guess like not bothering to do something that you know will absolutely just turn the game over in a quarter. Yeah, I think it... um, Necessary to work that hard. There's no reason to not do it. I think our roots of like playing in the British League where we were on a team that was a lot better than most of the competition is like comes through here because we kind of see the class difference in these two teams and being like, oh, come on, you don't have to press them. And then it's like, actually, this is a professional league. If you feel like these guys can't handle it, you should absolutely leverage that. But Yeah, it's also funny me being like, 
<laughs> an offensive non-factor in most games that's there to like push around being like ah do you want to do that much pushing around? <laughs> um well, I, w- I can't wait to title this episode an offensive non-factor but and have someone be like who is he talking about yeah. <laughs> like, we're talking about myself um I didn't mention that once when we were pl- when we were talking about the game I played in. <laughs> it's fine. Um, That's cool. Oh, I blew a handful of layups. I was so sad. Everyone was like, "Yeah, what a big victory!" And I was like, "Yes, I'm not upset that I played all right." No, it's fine. Anyway, Grand Canaria, seventy-seven. Jorge with 24, 10, yeah, 17. I wonder if that the most shots he's taken in a game this season. Certainly feels like it was Luigi out for this game because he's down as. Yes. Zero minutes, and they started Raul Vega in his place. Yes, so I didn't know what was happening there. I didn't know whether he was like something had gone wrong or like whether he was hurt or whether they were just rotating or whatever. So I asked someone who might have known what was happening, and apparently he like wasn't feeling well. Not COVID, obviously, or else he wouldn't have been there. He was just like feeling unwell down the end of the week, and he was fine if they needed him, but not a hundred percent. So they yeah. didn't need him. So he was there, but not playing. Yeah. I didn't know whether Hanai was just like, Hey, Raul, your time to shine son, or whether it was Hanai spoon feeding minutes to Raul. Never. I know Ra- Raul did well to be fair, <laughs> but yeah, I did wonder, I was like, ah, is, is that what is that? Cause there's like one game a year or a couple of games a year where it's like, let this, let's get these guys loaded minutes. But normally you roll your starters out for six minutes in the first quarter, absolutely lay the smack down. And then, yeah, because I thought like, especially if they're pressing, like I was like yeah. a guy who can move his chair about as well as Raul, but is also gigantic and long Yeah, w- would help. But yeah, no, apparently he wasn't well, but. You handled that incredibly diplomatically there. I was trying to get you to bite on the couple of times Raul played like 32 minutes and you <laughs> you played like eight yeah, yeah, it's it's fine. I'm not there anymore. Um, <laughs> I'm not there anymore. I I think Raul's great. Um, I actually right. do. It's funny because like I, I a couple of times that happened to me, and I was like, ah, for God's sake! But like nothing against him because he's the man, yeah. and he's a young local fellow who is going to develop and play for that team for years. So like, why wouldn't they give him minutes? It's just happened to me instead of me sometimes. So I was a bit like, eh. But yeah. Is that um, is that is that me biting? I don't think it is. No, that's that's a rational explanation of what you could have bit on but didn't. Yeah, fair enough. Also, being like, no, I'm not upset about this, but if I was, <laughs> but yeah, no, I there's something funny, and I think it's just from having been in Grand Canaria, like when they're blowing a team out, anytime they have more than three Canarians on the court, I'm like, let's go! Like every time, Claudio, Claudio is five from eight in a game like this, and I'm flipping tables watching it. Like I'm just like. <laughs> just like rocking the bus on the way back home from a game watching the game be like yes but yeah oh, Paddy is the man um, should we do the last Rosas side real quick because this is ugly uh, yes uh, Christian Gomez professional bad shot maker was professional bad shot taker uh, 9 from 25 <laughs> uh, Alexi Ruiz was 5 from 21 which is like gonna happen you're playing a team that's pressing with five mobile guys and you're very slow and like your whole offense is if we get to our spots in 22 seconds, we'll be able to put a shot up and it might go in at a slightly higher clip than it should. Yeah. And you didn't get there, nor did they go in when you did. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, 
I think the te- the telling stat is that Salvador Zavala only got nine shots up in 35 minutes because he was, I admittedly only skimmed through bits of this game, but there was like plenty of times where the four guys broke the press and he would have one guy left on him and he'd be, he was like, hey, I'm almost or just past 50. I'm not going to try and go one-on-one with like Jorge Salazar or whoever it might have been. So he, yeah, he wasn't getting up the court a whole lot. Gomez was heaving shots up. Uh, Alexi Ruiz was heaving shots up. And in a game lost by 36, we've got some, we've got a minus 35, a minus 33, and a minus 42 on the last Rosas plus minus column. So that's, oh gosh. that's some tough going. Um, nobody in last Rosas is a positive. Um, so one of their players played 70, 17 minutes and is only minus two. Yeah. And I have to wonder Play that why guy. he's not on the floor. <laughs> right. Should we shift on? Because I feel like we probably can't examine the last Rosas box score anymore without insulting members. Yeah. Do you ever have a moment of like, hey, are we just like making fun of these people? But also like you lose a game by 40 odd. Yeah. The, well, this, is, this was the thing with the Substack, right? When we were doing the coverage of the tournaments and whatever. And it's like, I can write up the games that were a 50-point difference if you want, but it's not going to come out very nice to half the people involved. So it's easier to just be like, hey, on to the next one. Correct. All right, on to the next one. Uh, Valladolid, Fundación Aliados. Sorry. I said great transition. Thanks. Um, There's a podcast I listened to. I don't remember... I, it's one of the athletic basketball ones where they just have bad transitions all the time. Yeah. And so he's Zach Harper yeah, being exactly. like, just being like, is this good? No, but anyway, all right. <laughs> talking about things that aren't good. Uh, no. So by the lead 61, uh, Burgos 43. Mark, would you like to say something nice about by the lead? Well, before I do, you absolutely missed your chance to be like talking of things that aren't good Burgos. But <laughs> no, I literally like, fumbled it in there so they didn't say that (laughs) (laughs) oh well um so big news is we so i've blasted mark would you like to sit back slightly because you're starting to get a bit fuzzy sorry i've blasted viadolid for consecutive weeks uh i don't know how many weeks in a row but um three i think it's it feels like a lot more than that or maybe it feels like more than that because people have said like in the interim between recording people have asked me what my issue with Viadolid is and I'm like I promise I don't have a problem with any of them they're just not really very good um <laughs> but yeah this um they've had Adrian Perez missing for a little while and we kind of semi benefit of the doubted them with being like hey this guy sometimes bails them out he's not like a world-class player, but he certainly doesn't hurt to have around. And I think even I wasn't starting to believe the Adrian Perez can fix this spiel that we were putting out there. But I'm very torn now because either we admit that Adrian Perez can fix this or I admit that Burgos are not good in any sense. It's funny to be like, which of my not really believable hot takes am I willing to die on a hill for? Um, Well, no, like... Adrian Perez makes you better in that one. He's like an international standard wheelchair basketball player to he averages 16 points a game for them. Apparently also apparently averages um, 40 minutes and 16 seconds a game, which is funny, but yeah, a guy that's going to give you like 
almost 17 and 9 yeah. a game makes you better and it also bumps someone else down the list a bit further like it raises your ceiling and your floor which is probably more important than raising your ceiling like you have to play one last guy who like I don't know who the guy is but like you have to play one last guy who you don't want to be playing 30 minutes definitely yeah. considering even with Perez in the game this time they only played eight guys as it was like I don't really he is obviously an international standard player but at the point where you're regularly playing seven guys having an eighth guy definitely helps yes so yeah I mean Maxi Ruggeri has been kind of carrying the load. He had a super efficient game this time. He had 18 points on eight of nine shots. That's two from two threes as well. Um, That's yeah. nuts. <laughs> Yelmo with 13 points and 16 rebounds. And then Perez with 12 points and 14 rebounds in his return game. Six, 11 offensive rebounds between um, Perez and Yelmo was a big part of this, I think wherever Gim wasn't on the Burgos defensive end, it felt like they were getting a putback if either of their bigs had position. And yeah, this was just, this was a super rough De Jong Gim game after we had been singing his praises for the last few weeks in a row. He was two from 13 and he had a bunch of makeable shots that he just didn't make. I don't, yeah. I don't really know what was, what was going on here. I, can't offer much insight other than he just didn't make a load of shots that you would have expected him to make otherwise. Yeah, there's a certain level of shooter that if they're making shots, you have to just be like, yeah, it's going to happen sometimes. Yeah. Or or do we, as two certifiable non-shooters, have to be like, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> um, now, I think he, he isn't like... You would never say his game is as a mismatch shooter. Like, he's not a mismatch hunting guy, particularly. He's more of a, you know, pick and roll or get you in transition kind of thing and finish off at close range. But while you wouldn't say mismatching is his first element, Vidalid play three guards a good bit of the time. And a lot of the shots he would he was getting the looks at were kind of like bank shot post-ups over Maxi Ruggeri or whoever else it may have been. And yeah. you would expect him to make those at, at least 50%, which he didn't. Um yeah, well, no, he does a lot of, like, perimeter ball handling into, like, oh, this guy's chair's on me on the elbow, this will do. Like, it's not, like, he's plays a more expansive game than mismatch hunting off the ball, but he kind of, like, it's like a hybrid thing where he'll, like, ball handle behind the three-point line, come off it, and get into a mismatch a lot of the time. But, yeah, he just didn't have it for whatever reason. Um, Machek did, as always because he averages 18 a game, which is funny because I've only actually looked it up and I joke about the fact that he has like, he's like nine from 18 every game and averages 18 and he's actually averaging 18. <laughs> is he on 50% shooting? Uh, I, it does not tell me, but he was not today. He was he, he was, was above that. He was eight from 15 today. So yeah, just not enough offense from Burgos. Uh, Martin Arredondo had 10 points. He was their only other double-digit scorer, but he was also 5 from 20. Yeah, yeah, they just they could not get inside on the vital defense, which is odd because that's what teams have made a habit of doing over the last month or so. Yeah, I guess it is just a, like it's the opposite of the um, the Adrian Perez thing where you lose a Lee Fryer and you 
have to bump everyone else up. Like that doesn't explain Kim as your number one having a bad game, but it explains maybe you get a little bit more heat on him defensively. And it also explains just like yeah, and like one more guy that you don't want to play normally. Like you didn't start in September being like, okay, this guy's getting 32 minutes a game or yeah. whatever. Like and um yeah. Just in the Lee Fryer specific example, there is nobody on Violet who could guard Lee Fryer. <laughs> like they just don't they don't have any mids. They're like entirely they're entirely lows and bigs and Maxi Ruggeri's a two five, but is a very, very small two five. Yeah. So yeah, tough look for Burgos. Uh shout out to Vidalid for getting getting one in the win column. I will ease up on you now, I promise. Yes. All right, cool. Shall we move country? Let's do it. Where are we going? Uh, Germany, apparently. Cool. Uh, all right. Uh, first game we're going to is Thuringia Bulls, 88, Cologne 99ers, 64. Can we spend as few minutes on this as Alex Haluski spent on court? Yeah, that was the thing we were talking about, where there are certain blowouts or games like that that we don't spend a whole lot of time on and <laughs> the way we were describing it is like we'll talk about it with uh, for about as long as the coach of the team that's blowing the other team out spends with their starters Haluski <laughs> yeah. actually played 25 minutes um but he i think this was like a the ring and get ahead this is exactly what you described in the first uh in the grand canaria game where you're like it's normally starters roll out for six minutes put the beating on somebody and then let the other guys go. And I think Haluski played the first four minutes and then they brought Hubert Hager in. Yeah. And yeah, that, well, yeah, he's a good, he's a good player, man. He also similar to what we said about Cozzarina would be, I would imagine looking for a bigger role somewhere, but he's also in a super professional setup and with two world-class 4.5s to go up against in training every day. So maybe at the moment he's still fine being where he is. Yeah, potentially. Like, I do wonder, that is the sort of thing that people need to play, like, play off against. Hey, do I want to go take a step down and play more? And it's like, sometimes that is way better for you as a player and sometimes being around, like, excellence and training with people and getting well looked after and having a club that, like, has consistently good training is actually worth your time. Like, you're like, hey, do I want to play more once a week, or do I want to play better five type like five nights a week? Definitely. But yeah, yeah, I think um, Cologne actually kept this. I know uh, Thuringen weren't going like full speed ahead in terms of making regular subs and stuff like that, but um, Cologne actually kept relatively. Like we've spoken a load of times about how Thuringen almost can't help themselves from dropping a hundred on teams weaker than them. I mean, I think it was earlier this year where they beat um, Trier maybe like one hundred and thirty-six to thirty or something ridiculous like that, and that certainly wasn't what this game was. Cologne actually shot fifty percent and yeah. still ended up in a twenty-four point hole, which yeah. I think tells you everything you you need about. Also, Cologne didn't start Joe Bestwick, which was strange. I don't obviously like anytime I said anytime something like this happens, I don't really know yeah. why. I but... think I think this was maybe the opposite of the what we talked about with Phil sitting out the first chunk of that Nadiba game. 
Mithir obviously did that because they were comfortable they could win without him, whereas I think Cologne were like, hey, this probably isn't the game we're going to steal. Shall we roll the... Shall we roll the less experienced guys out so they get to go up against Saluski and Vahid? Yeah, but it was weird because they um, like they didn't roll them out first quarter and they'd lost that quarter 26-13 and then obviously playing against reserves and stuff. Yeah. But the next three quarters were lose by three, lose by four, lose by four. Like the, the damage was done in the first bit when Joe wasn't on the floor. Obviously that's because it was... Turingen starters yeah. and Turingen coming out to put the game away, but yeah, interesting. Yeah, I think this was um, this was a pretty competent Thuringen showing, and I don't think this was a bad showing from Cologne by any stretch. But they just don't have the. I mean, they they need Joe to go superhero mode to beat even like the mid table teams most of the time. So For when sure. when you're then going up against the top of the German league, <laughs> who are top by. You know, the difference between Cologne beating Hanover last week and then hoping to steal a win off the ring and is like orders of magnitude at this point. Yeah, it's a thing of like Joe Bestwick a couple of years ago had a couple of like 45s and 50s and whatever. And it's like, if Joe has 50, do they beat Thuringen? And it's like, uh, maybe, yeah. <laughs> which is that's that's a tough look. But anyway, we'll move on. Let's do it. Okay, so next game wheelchair basketball theme park, BBC Monsterland. Uh, 57 Hanover United 53 in what was one of the more interesting games of yeah. the week this was probably the my second favourite game I watched this weekend after watching you guys on Albacete but I think we're a bit torn on here because we've got some um, we got some Hanover allegiance haven't we with obviously Mariska's been on here I think Jan Haller is on our future guest list and we've got the orange and black hopeful sponsorship opportunity yes um but also munsterland are our guys and <laughs> they're not our guys in the slightest in that we know someone we know someone who knows matthias bellers and we also think munsterland sounds like a, a bad theme park and yeah, so british national broadcasting company yeah. uh, uh and theme park crossover and soren muller is the um is the inaugural belt holder, right? And was up until first name etched on the belt. Yep. So this was this was really interesting because we, I mean, it's come up a few times that we mentioned the Landil and Hanover showdown where Landil were like, hey, look how much speed and mobility we have to throw at Amit Vigoda and make his life difficult. Uh, and you said, look how much personal vendetta they have to throw against. Well, I still believe it. I don't care that Thomas Bomer, who was there, said otherwise. I uh, don't care that someone who actually has the inside track told me that it's not true. <laughs> I choose to believe it. Um, yeah, so this was, this was Munsterland obviously don't have anything like the mobility that Landil do because few teams on earth do and Munsterland are primarily built around kind of size and low configurations. Uh, so they just kind of really junked up against Hanover and L-shaped them for a lot of the game, and Hanover shot really badly. Um, Hanover only shot 36% of the game. Jan Gans had their most effective shooting performance of team-wide, but only played 26 minutes. I don't yeah. think that- entirely know what was going on there they kind of went down the stretch with um jan sadler on the block and 
uh, Yang Gan's playing up the middle. Yeah. He hit a couple of shots from there, which kind of kept them alive, but or brought them back into it. Sorry, they were down eight or so. Sure. Fourth. And that could have brought them back into it, which was interesting because I would have thought like, hey, get that giant on the block. But maybe if you're not getting jumped as readily, that's kind of a misuse of resources. Yeah, I think um, we should point out Hanover is still missing Mariska and Alex Buda was also not in this game. So Hanover a little bit thin on the ground, but I think missing two of their mids, you kind of saw what it looked like for me was they end up playing Vanessa Erskine. who is obviously a female low, so plays with a points deduction and lets them stack up points around the other four guys. Mm-hmm. But most teams that do that use that to play a giant. Like, for example, when Bilbao go kind of Hasso, Asier, Chema, Manu, that's like four huge guys. Mm-hmm. And Hanover have an even spread of size, but don't have one giant. And most of their bigs kind of play the perimeter spots. So yeah. it was very. Like, all right, you have a load of like multi-tool, multi-skill, mid-sized guys. Like you've got threes that are kind of big and you've got sort of undersized four or fives. All right. The theory of it is that you're going to be able to spread us out, but cool. Like Munsterland being like, okay, we're massive and we don't really believe that your outside shooting is enough to get it done. And like, obviously there's a bit of variance in that. We're on a different day. It might be able to get it done, but yeah. And I think um, this is a second Hanover game in a row we've seen where they've struggled against a real kind of inside scoring presence. They obviously lost to Cologne last week and Joe Beswick kind of carried the load there. And then we mentioned they've got a fairly even spread of size, but they've got nobody to match up with Matthias Bellas, who he had 20, not on great efficiency, but... He had 20 points and 21 rebounds, and that kind of tells you everything you need to know about the the size advantage that he's working with. Yeah, him having that many rebounds, and they had them as a team having 30 points in the paint for the game that didn't get to 60. Like that, that kind of shows the sort of game that they were content to play, right? Definitely. Yeah, but I don't know, man. There were a couple of times that Mudstalan were playing in a way that it was like, all right, we get it. You're all massive. Where it was like entire offenses where they'd throw the ball to one big while the other two bigs with the low pointers were trying to get better position. And they were like, hey, is anyone going to dribble the ball at any point? But it was like, throw it into the post, try and get something off ball, throw it there. Okay, I'll try and get position. But hey, it worked, man. It was ugly at times, but yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, Yeah, so... I mean, shout out to Munster. This is a a legit win by them. And in Hanover's case, we kind of crowned them as the third best team in Germany a few weeks back. And they've had a couple of, even while being down guys, they've had a couple of losses that you would have thought they would have pulled out. So let's let's hope they can right the ship. Yes, we've crowned them the third best team in Germany. And only now has it been proven that what we think doesn't matter and sometimes (laughs) isn't correct. (laughs) <laughs> hey, don't let that out nobody will listen to this if they don't think we're the absolute source of truth nah, no one listens to this anyway that's not true sponsors um <laughs> uh spe- speaking of Munsland, by the way they're currently up three at the end of the third quarter against trier so good for them oh that's nice that's nice could, for them could be a do- double win weekend against two teams that i wouldn't have called them to beat so 
Yes. Yeah. All right. Um, what's next? So, I put both the tabs and don't know which order they were in. Are we Rhine River Rhinos? Yes. Rhine River Rhinos, 59. ING Skywheelers, 53. I didn't watch this one. Awesome. Thanks for doing your research. That's no fun. problem. I, hey, to be fair, I've actually managed to watch most of every other game. So you, you did good considering you were at an away game. Did you get back last night or this morning? Yes, 3 a.m. Oh, jeez. And you, and you had the audacity to text me this morning asking when we were podcasting. I was just going to leave it and do it on Monday like we normally do when we rely on the fact you get back late. But we're professional and we actually will stick to this schedule that we've said ourselves we're going to do and then not done for the last few weeks. Nice. All right. Talking about being professional, what have you got? Um, so this was closer than I would have expected and was we got into it I can't remember what niche battle we highlighted last week I think it was Matthias Bellas and Kais Evan in the Dutch 4.5s in Germany Cup um, <laughs> Yes. so this was the female 4.5 who plays exclusively as an outside shooter in a man's league between Aaron Young and Katarina Lang. We should get Rose Holloman in on this. In a, in a mixed league, but yeah, sure. Mixed, Go on. Mixed league, sorry. We should get Rose Holloman in. She'd show them. Um, this was way closer than I would have expected because I think Ryan River Rhinos are probably just a more talented team on paper than Skywheelers, but Skywheelers with... Kim Robbins in the fold now and Nico Drymuller being back after not playing last week seem to be just about good enough to hang with teams that are a bit better than they are. Um, And this is kind of what we saw. I think they've had, they've had a couple of games like this where, I mean, even that overtime game they played with Hamburg the other week is like Hamburg have so much more scoring power than you guys do. Like surely they should be out ahead of you, but they seem to be able to rope teams in. Um, this was again a pretty low scoring one with Ryan Riverinos getting 19, 13 and 14 from Matthias Guntner, Andre Hopp and Aaron Young. Let's play the does that up to, does that add up to enough to win a game game? The yes. answer is yes. Yes. Um, and then yeah, on the Skywheelers side they got 12, 11 and 10 from Katarina Lang, Nico Dreimuller and Kim Robbins. They, this they kind of kept it a lot closer than I would have thought. And it was the Matthias Guntner getting inside and finishing off. That was kind of what sealed the deal for Ryan. I think he is like eight foot 12 by standard measurements, I think. So they just didn't have anybody to match up with that kind of size. And that was more or less it. Say that again, sir. Standard measurements. Yeah. Sorry. It's okay. Um, measurements being like, my God, he must be about this height. <laughs> um, and for any of you Europeans listening and you want to know what that is in meters, I don't know. Look it up. <laughs> I don't know. Use the old fashioned measurements. Um, yeah. And this was more about Skywheelers not having really an inside presence to match him, I think. Um, Nico Drymuller, Kim Robbins, and Katarina Lang all kind of do their damage from the perimeter. And Tim Diedrich, who I think has had a good couple of games in the German League this year, just isn't 
built to match up with Matthias Gunther. Sure. That's more or less all there is to this one. All right. Uh, did you see anything that would explain like poor shooting numbers in particular? Anything schematic, anything interesting, or was it just like um go in sometimes? <laughs> I think it's I think the Rhino Veranos are pretty say they play three big, they've got two relatively mobile ones. Um Jim is like really good at jumping. Jim is the most mobile one in the world. Yeah. Love you, Jim. Um, and Nico Damiano is getting up there in years a bit, but is still pretty, pretty mobile. Um, and yeah, they just, they do a pretty good job at not when they send their lows out as a lot of three big teams do. It's not like an automatic. As soon as that guy's past the screener's chair, that's an automatic pick and a five on four. They do pretty good at fighting through picks and kind of stretching possessions out and then Skywheelers took a lot of shots up against the shot clock was probably where a lot of the shooting numbers came from. And yeah, Ryan shot 47%, which is 10% better than uh, Skywheelers did. And that probably explains a game being won by six points. Yes. Cool. All right. And there's another German game that didn't get to 60. We're talking about games that did get to 60. <laughs> Landil 90. Trier, uh Trier Dolphins at 46. So it's mad to look at a score sheet and realize that absolutely by definition, there's no way Dirk Passavan can have scored as many points as he did last week because his team's total was almost 10 less than that. Have you seen how many he scored this week? I have not. Should we play the game? Yes, because I just did. How many do you think he scored? Right. Uh, Triad 46. Landil will have done everything to take him away. I think he had 22. He had 12. Oh, damn. We overestimated. Well, it's been a good run with the belt, Dirk Passavan. Nothing personal, but we're going to have to re-award that, I think. Unless maybe he's hanging like 47 on Munsterland now out of (laughs) Trier's 49 points. Um, Potentially. Yeah, Uh, this was just the, the consummate. Landil shut down the best offensive option and then shut down more or less everything else as well. Yeah, everyone play between 10 and 25 minutes and all play very well. Um, yeah, just be better than teams. Um, <laughs> also, um, also <laughs> Mark being there and having 13 shots up in 12 minutes is exactly <laughs> what everyone talks about. That's so love that. <laughs> I think that's the only stat sheet I've seen all year where he's actually played because we're on the actual fancy FIBA live stats today as opposed to the crappy regular German league ones. I don't normally see his stat line because I don't think he plays a lot unless it's like a very comfortable margin. But yeah, I think we've had both Yannick and Tommy Bummer mention that. (laughs) And they're like, this guy, we just can't stop him getting shots up. Do you think they like ran him out do you think his 12 minutes was at the end of the game or do you think they ran him out first half and he was like, hey, I'm launching and the coach had to pull him because no one else could get any shots up? I imagine it was at the end of the game on account of being like the able-bodied guy and yeah. whatever. Like I imagine they're like, all right, let's get everyone else in and out. But definitely, yeah, man, not a whole lot to say about this. Everyone was good. Yeah. Um, Landil low resistance. Landil shot 53% on 80 shots. Trier shot 36% on 58 shots. I think that 
probably paints the picture of what happened in this one. Um, say that, does it? Yeah. Yeah. That I think um, I can't remember who from Landil shared the result on their Instagram and was like, this one wasn't our best performance, but a win's a win kind of feeling around it. I saw someone being like, weird game, but wins yeah. a win. And I think that might have been like, what's going on in the world as context? Like, okay. playing basketball is weird. I don't know, but... Um, Fair enough. Yeah. Um, yeah, so this was, like we say, there's not a whole lot to analyze here other than Patrick Dorner with 18. Is this the first time this year that Dirk Passavan's not been the leading scorer for Trier? Uh, I don't know for sure, but potentially. I would say it probably is based on every week that we've done this. Well, we can say that it is and we can correction section ourselves. Yeah. Oh. Also, like if anyone looks uh, that up uh, to tell us we're wrong, you're a loser. <laughs> okay. So David Maurice gets the belt. David Maurice gets the belt. David Maurice gets the belt. Uh, Yelmer and Rose are back out of timeout and are eligible for the belt because they didn't tell us to <laughs> give it to them this yeah. week. Should we put the belt out to... No, we shouldn't. This should just be us, I think. I was going to say, should we put it out to a vote? And absolutely not. No. Cool. All right. I think that'll do us, will it? That will. Yeah, this, right. this has been a pleasure. Just so you guys know, we are going to be recording a guest spot. So this podcast is going to come out on monday we're recording a guest spot on wednesday uh midday ish for us 8 30 p.m ish for our guest so if you want to get your questions in do that this episode that we're recording is probably gonna get banked and released in a little while so yeah have a think about some questions you want to get in because we're really excited about this upcoming guest and want to get all the best stuff we can He's also given us the directive that no question or topic is off limits, which we might have to curtail, but <laughs> we'll see where it goes. Yeah. Don't be weird to people on the internet. Still counts. <laughs> All right. Cool. Right. Thanks very much for listening, guys. Have a good week. And we'll talk to you soon. Cheers, everybody. Peace out.